Hello everyone. So today I have an exciting episode for you. I have a guest with me today, Lydia Andrews, a financial empowerment coach. So welcome to episode 12, Love Yourself Financially. Welcome to the Ideal Relationship Roadmap podcast, a podcast about the relationship with yourself and with others. My name is Dr. Ayat Mekki. I'm a master coach and a trainer of coaches in the field of neuro-linguistic programming. The goal of this podcast is to support you on your healing journey from previous relationships as well as support you to get to know yourself on a deeper level and to unlock everything that is standing in the way of you and finding your ideal partnership. Thank you for listening and let's start this week's episode. Lydia is from Ottawa, Canada and has been living in the UAE advising expats since 2016. Before moving to the UAE, Lydia has lived in Accra, Ghana for several years. Lydia has multiple certifications and qualifications. Most notably, Lydia is an advanced wealth management advisor. Lydia's passion is to nurture an environment where high-achieving women are able to reach their personal and business goals, which will ultimately lead to building and preserving wealth. Lydia does all of this through her platform, Love Yourself Financially. So hello, Lydia. Hello, Ayat. I am so happy to have you here today. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. So uh, this episode is going to focus on how people, not just women, everyone can empower themselves financially and love themselves financially. And the focus of the episode is going to be how can I empower myself if I am in a situation that is toxic or abusive, whether it's a marriage or a partnership, and I want to be able to support myself financially to a degree that I can leave the relationship. So this is um, a topic that I think is so important. I don't hear it or see it uh, often uh, talked about. And I wanted to use this episode today to educate, to empower, and to shed light on what financial abuse is. You're right. It's a very important topic. And interestingly, in the past few months, I have been asked by a few people to cover it. And so it just took a bit of preparation because, you know, doing my research, it's a bit sad. But of course, I need to do this because there are a lot of people who can benefit from this information, whether it's you listener who's listening to this, or maybe you know someone around you who's experiencing this and you can help support them through it to get out of it. And that's exactly my goal is for this episode to become a reference for people to use it themselves or to send it and share it with others who may be going through a similar situation. So again, thank you so much for being here. And my first question to you is why love yourself financially? 
Well, when I created this about two years ago, the idea was really just to provide advice and tools to women to help them understand the importance of financial literacy and to help them manage their finances. But obviously as time progressed and more topics became relevant and important for me to discuss with them, I thought it was more about, now it became more about shifting towards wealth building and then also understanding the emotional parts of mm -hmm. our relationship with money and looking at you know, whatever mindsets we have, whatever limiting beliefs we have, whatever we grew up with that mm -hmm. may need to change. So there actually is a lot of healing that needs to be done when we think about how we manage our finances and the emotional experiences or trauma perhaps that we've been through and how they impact us today. And so I think I've seen an evolution from basic financial management to much more deeper issues when it, with regards to finances. You're speaking my language, especially when you're talking about the emotional part, because not only do I see this in coaching, but I also personally know people who are struggling in these situations where they are not able to look to the future with hope because of their financial situations. So what is financial abuse? Well, financial abuse can often be known as economic abuse as well. And so I just want to highlight that although we will be talking about, you know, husband and wife or partner type of relationship, um, it can happen between parents and children, children and parents, among friends, between your employer and an employee, even senior citizens are often unfortunately victims mm -hmm. of financial abuse as well. So to simply put it, it's all about control. Okay, so it's someone using money as a weapon or a form of manipulation. And unfortunately, it normally happens alongside emotional, psychological, verbal, and possibly even physical abuse. So at the end of the day, it's about control. And it can be very subtle or very overt. And I know we'll go into more details as to how you might be able to recognize that. Hmm. Um, and it can happen to anyone. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how educated you are, doesn't matter how wealthy you are, poor you are, doesn't matter um, your social status either. It can happen to anyone. No one is immune. That is pretty scary. And also, you've shifted my perspective because I was thinking in terms of intimate relationships or partnerships, marriages. I wasn't really thinking about the senior citizens and the parents who actually do this to their children or children doing it to their parents. So it, it can be scary. So it can be subtle or overt. So can you give us examples of those? Like how can financial abuse be subtle to the point that we don't even notice it? Yeah, it can be something as simple as, oh, let me help you with your finances. You know, maybe I'm the one who's stronger financially in the relationship. And soon that becomes the person has taken over all of the finances or they want to be giving you an allowance and eventually the allowance becomes nothing. You know, so it starts off as what may seem like I'm, it's being done out of kindness. And then eventually, you know, it's just them slowly preying on you. Hmm. I know this part is going to hit home for so many people. Mm -hmm. 
And I just want to tell you, I'm sending you so much love and compassion if you're going through this right now, because it is challenging. But the purpose of this podcast is to help you and to serve you and to tell you that you're not alone in this. So what are the overt um, types of financial abuse? Okay, so this would be a little bit more obvious. So it would be things like someone is hiding money from you. So perhaps, you know, your partner is the breadwinner and they require you to ask for permission before they give you money. Mm-hmm. Or they may do something like punish you, whatever that may look like, mm-hmm. for spending money without their permission. They may file insurance claims with your name and forge your signature without you knowing. They may try and force you or even successfully force you to transfer assets Mm. into their name or joint names. So maybe you've inherited something or you've worked really hard to buy a house or buy certain assets um, and then they they kind of force you to transfer it. Um, they They may withhold basic necessities, food, medication, clothing. These are things you need to survive. And especially Mm -hmm. if you have children, Mm -hmm. this would be even more damaging. Mm -hmm. Imagine if your child is witnessing this or they're struggling and they realize it's because, you know, mom or dad Mm -hmm. refuses to give money to buy medicine that they need. Mm -hmm. That is really, really um, sad. And one situation that comes, comes to mind when you were mentioning about the you know the control of the expense expenses and what how 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 we spend money. One example that comes to mind is um, a story I've heard about someone um, who, like it, it's a wife and a husband dynamic, and whenever she made a purchase, she would get a phone call, and be asked like, "What did you buy? Where did you buy it? Did you just make this purchase?" Even though she actually had obviously access to the money access to the you know to the debit or credit card but still like every purchase every expense was questioned would that be a form of uh financial abuse absolutely Mm -hmm. it's a form of control Mm -hmm. so honestly you have to think about how you feel um when it comes to money issues with your partner, do you feel uncomfortable or tense? Mm-hmm. Are you afraid to bring up conversations with them with regards to money? Mm-hmm. Are you scared? Are you stressed? Are you anxious? Now, this would obviously signal other red flags in other areas of the relationship as well. Mm-hmm. But when it comes specifically to money, how do you feel when you're having conversations with them? Do you feel like, I don't have a say? Do you feel like they're hiding information? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like... Um, I'm not able to voice my opinion or even just share ideas on what, how money can be managed or some investment opportunities. Mm-hmm. If they're shutting you out totally when it comes to finances, then that's probably a form of financial abuse. And one thing I do want to point out as well is um, they may justify the behavior saying this is how my parents did it. This is how my grandparents did it. This is what's done in my culture. Mm. I'm sorry, but financial abuse is mm. not justifiable in any way. Yeah, so not if, in any yeah, culture, not exactly. in any, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So if someone is using that kind of excuse and they're not willing to be open to have conversations about different ways to look at how to manage the money, mm-hmm. then you're probably in a situation where financial abuse is being used against you, unfortunately. And it's painful. Mm-hmm. It is painful. Just having heard so many different stories from not just women, men as well, who've been in such situations. It is painful, but at least I know that there is hope. Well, I really, really believe that there is hope, but um, it seems to me that you're talking about safety as well, because it's all about feeling safe in a relationship. And the safety aspect doesn't just include the emotional side and, you know, being in a loving partnership, but it also includes all aspects of life. So financial being one of them. And if I'm not feeling safe enough to approach the money subject or, you know, the our finances as a team, as a couple, then it can definitely be very stressful. Mm-hmm. And abuse can happen in so many ways, but... I can think of emotional abuse being the you know being uh, one of those issues with financial abuse because communication is lacking and there is someone who is controlling as you said um, that relationship and another uh, example that comes to mind which I've heard a lot is when let's say a um, a couple have um, a newborn so then they ask the woman to stay home and they'll take care of the finances. And she was a working mother or she's a, she was working beforehand. She had her job, her, her financial stability. But all of a sudden, she now needs to stay home because she, they don't want to. Well, it's usually under the um, the nice. excuse of or the guise of not, you know, having trustworthy people to help with the child. So... And in this situation, that would be the first uh, step for the woman or even the man sometimes to relinquish their power. Exactly. Mm. Because that is them interfering with your ability to earn an income. Mm. It may be for what seems like a good reason. Of course, there's a baby at home that needs care, Mm. but you don't, it's hard to know someone's motive at the time, but eventually the true colors will show. Mm. And so you have to be very alert and pay attention, you know, have have that conversation, dig down to the the root of why do you want me to stay home? Mm. Um, are there other options available? You know, how long should I stay home for? When can I go, like, when do you think would be a good time for me to go back into the workplace? Or mm. when can the child go to daycare and so on and so forth? And if it seems like they're really pushing back, mm. despite you having your own dreams, mm. right? You have, you don't maybe... It's not your goal to stay at home, you know, till the child or till the children are 18 or till high school mm. or whatever the age may be. So it's about understanding and respecting individuals have autonomy and deserve respect in the relationship. And that plays out in how you manage things jointly. I, I love there that. There needs to be respect mm. and there needs to be consideration mm. for the other person, the other person's needs and wants. And so it can't just be one person demanding or expecting mm. that you need to adhere to what I believe is the right way to go about things. There needs to be a conversation. There needs to be flexibility. There needs to be sacrifices on both sides 
Mm. and at least consideration before making a final decision. If one person is imposing, then that's probably someone who's being controlling, manipulative, which is what we don't want at all. We We do not want to find ourselves in that situation. You do not want to see your friends or family in that situation. So it is hard sometimes in the beginning to be aware of what to look out for, but I do believe that having in-depth and vulnerable conversations will highlight someone's mm-hmm. heart. That's absolutely right. And and um, I just, like this topic, like I, I, I knew that it was really important, but there are just so many things to talk about here and so many things that are coming up coming to me right now but one of them also being that if sometimes i'd like to, i like i'd like to believe that you know some people are unaware of the behavior the controlling behavior and in those situations it's a matter of this that's the way we've always done it so it is generational and perhaps having a an open conversation can um, can be very helpful in these situations, yeah. but in other cases, this is where if you're listening to this, you need to trust your inner wisdom. If it doesn't feel safe to speak, then it probably isn't. And this is where you don't want to be vulnerable and have that conversation with someone who is an abuser. And instead, take measures to protect yourself and find other ways. So actually, I do agree with what you said. In some cases, people may be acting that way because you know they've been through some traumatic financial situation and they became very controlling. And they want to make sure that they will never be in that situation again. Mm-hmm. But again, it's about having those vulnerable conversations. Let your partner know where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Let them see where you're coming from so that you guys are on the same page. You know, you need to be open and honest about that. And so in some situations, it is possible to cultivate a healthy financial conversation. And it may mean addressing insecurities that you have, deep fears that you have, anxiety. Sometimes it could be even generational. Mm-hmm. Your parents, your grandparents, great-grandparents experience the same thing and you've seen it over and over again. And so you become very anxious about it and your way of feeling in control is by being controlling. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's room for that in a, in a healthy relationship. So it may, it may mean counseling. It may, it may mean going to see a therapist as well. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're with someone with whom you don't think you can have such a frank conversation with, an open conversation with, then I don't know why you'd be with someone with whom you can't have safe conversations about the things that mm. really trouble you. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And it sometimes is just about having that honest conversation and dishonesty in a relationship. And because it is familiar to us because it's been generational it's gen- it's been in generations and generations of our of our families we may engage in such behavior but then that doesn't um, make the person themselves because you know i always like to differentiate between abuse as a behavior and abusiveness as you know a, like a person who is abusive sometimes we do engage in uh, abusive behavior unknowingly just because it is what we're used to it's what's familiar 
familiar does not mean right or normal exactly exactly so i just wanted to um, highlight that and what is your stance in separating finances in a in a and i know this is a very nuanced topic because it depends on you know various you know like on the laws of the countries so i know for example like sharia law you like a woman is supposed to have her own finances and a like her husband is the one who takes care of her whatever she decides to chip in and put in that relationship is up to her but it is not um you know necessarily um expected However, of course, you know, like this is the law, but it doesn't mean that people always follow it. They, you know, I know many relationships that are equal partnership or they decide, you know, who does what in the relationship in regards to their finances. But how about having separate bank accounts? Okay, so in a very healthy relationship, I think each couple is different. So I never tell each couple you know, this is what I think you should do. I just present them with options. So for example, both husband and wife or partners are responsible financially. Perhaps they can have separate accounts. Perhaps they can even have a joint account where both their salaries go into and it's not an issue. But for me personally, what I would suggest is you have separate accounts, but then you have a joint account for investments for expenditure and so on that's just me that's my personal opinion mm. but then each couple is different maybe one person in the relationship is a spendthrift mm. so maybe they need mm. a little bit of <laughs> some <laughs> measures in place to stop them from having access because they know and both of them know that you know if um the wife or the husband has access to all the money, they will probably spend it all. Mm -hmm. But they acknowledge it and they both agree to put the measures in place. Mm -hmm. And that's where transparency matters the most. And that's where you actually realize that this is a healthy partnership mm -hmm. because even though they have their own uh, familiar uh, ways of dealing with money, they come together and they try to work on it together. And another thing you said is that that's your personal opinion. However, this is your this is from your experience, you know, as a financial empowerment coach and a wealth, you know, advisor, advanced wealth advisor. So um, it is, you know, so I would actually take that opinion. And I am happy to sit down with couples if they're having issues, you know, to mm -hmm. kind of have a conversation. Mm -hmm. A couple of my friends were over recently, and I don't know how the, the topic turned to money, but we were having these conversations, frankly, mm -hmm. and I was appreciative of them being able to have an honest conversation with each other, even mm -hmm. in my presence, about such a topic. So, and that, and that actually is a great segue, because how do you begin like, what do you ask? Like, how do you start asking or talking about finances? And Lydia, as we're talking, I just think that there will definitely be a part two to this because I know that I'm going to receive so many DMs, so many questions, so many emails about this episode. And, you know, perhaps when you come back for part two, we're actually going to answer those questions. But where do you begin? Like, what do you advise? Like, when, they, when a couple comes to you, and I know that not everybody may be able to come to you, but what is like a, like a set of questions that we can ask that can start that conversation in a safe way and for us to be able to 
um, you know, not not go too deep, but just really like build up to this. Yes, you know, I don't want to to start any issues in a marriage, but some of the questions do require having difficult conversations, mm-hmm. which will hopefully lead to things becoming smooth where there may have been bumps or things becoming more clear where there was uncertainty. So one of the first questions I ask is, how are you managing money in the home? So I ask the typical question, is it 50-50 or is it you know Arab or African style where the man's money is for the house and the woman's money is her own and she contributes as and when she sees mm. fit or when there's a conversation and there's a need for it. Mm. And so that's the beginning of the conversation. And then I ask each, you know, how do they feel about, about the way the finances are managed? Um, and then I ask also about their goals. So when you're planning for the future, if you're planning separately, you're not going to achieve as much. If you're planning jointly and you're putting your money together, you have more money to be investing towards your specific goals for the future. Then we can delve into more questions about how were you raised with money, what are your mindsets about money, um, what is money for you as a tool, mm. you know, and these are just beginner questions. Depending on how they answer, that would obviously um, help me to navigate the conversation in one way or another and sometimes these conversations are easy because they've had these conversations i think it's important for couples Mm -hmm. to have this conversation before the relationship becomes serious or when it's getting to that turning point it can start with very subtle questions like um you know you're on a date and perhaps you're used to the man always paying and he's used to splitting the bill then you have a conversation about why that is if it's you know that's just what you're used to and maybe you have a conversation about um, income. Mm-hmm. You don't maybe need to know the details of how much they're earning at that point, mm-hmm. but it is it is important to start delving into those issues because I think financial issues usually are a reflection of deeper issues in the relationship. And so to be able to have those conversations early means that you're you're walking towards a healthier relationship earlier on rather than later you don't want to wait till it's too late before serious issues come up Mm, wow like i have so many things to to say here um i love those questions as you were mentioning each question i really think that those questions can be asked in the relationship as well so you know what is our money story like both of us sit together and talk about okay so what does money mean to us what is money as a tool you said like you know to us how do we feel about money and when you were talking about the um the date situation sometimes different well not sometimes well different cultures date differently right so i may come from a culture where like the man will pay uh for the date and or maybe it is part of my value system where i'm not going to date someone who's not going to pay pay for the date so that will be my first red flag for me not necessarily for you know uh anything regarding that person but that's just the way they're used to so but that's worth having that discussion on exactly when this comes out Mm. you may realize oh maybe i need to rethink that maybe it's not a red flag Mm -hmm. maybe this is someone who would be a great provider he would actually take care of me Mm. the fact that he hasn't paid for the bill it's just the way he used he's used to there's nothing it's not about right or wrong it's about acknowledging the differences and seeing how you can move forward exactly i love that i really love that because just this just means that 
dating is going to be more conscious and you know dating consciously is an episode that i actually want to uh do in the future because it is so important that you feel safe enough during you know when you're dating it is your chance to explore right so it is your chance to ask all the questions and instead of asking all the surface questions why not date with intention and really ask the questions that you want to ask because if you're dating with intention especially if you're looking for a partnership a conscious partnership then you shouldn't be wasting your time you know talking about like really surface what stuff what did you read last week exactly where do you see yourself in five years from now yeah yeah these are important questions these are important. you need someone who if you're thinking that way mm. you need someone who if they're not thinking that way right now they're open to have that conversation yeah and it's about you know having a shared vision mm -hmm. and uh compatibility right so yeah but back to the money uh the money questions i just think that you know you've made it really simple and i really really love that like those questions are a great starter so if we could like summarize those questions like what would be like the top three or five that we can ask okay so you've been out on a few days with someone you like each other um, you're thinking that, oh, this could be a relationship. So then you start asking questions about maybe their upbringing and money. Mm -hmm. How was money used in their upbringing? What is money, um, what is the purpose of money for them? Mm -hmm. Do they have any goals? And I want to also tie in an exercise that you taught me. Oh. <laughs> is the deeper why exercise. Mm -hmm. And I love asking the question why because on the surface, people may have an answer but they, if they haven't really thought about it deeply, they won't be able to explain why. Mm. And I think you really need to understand someone's why. You really need to understand the root and the heart behind whatever answer they're giving you. Mm -hmm. So if someone tells you that they have a specific goal to you know, make a million dollars in the next five years, you want to know why. What do they want to do with that money? Mm. What is the purpose of that money in mm. five years from now? Okay, so going back to the questions, again, just asking basic questions about how they grew up with money, What's the purpose of money for them? Um, if there's any, even in, in your interactions up until that point, have there been any incidences with regards to money management or the way that, you know, how do you think I interact with money? Have you seen any issues with the way that I have interacted with money in the short while that you've known me? Because it's worth having a conversation. And obviously, you're not going to be defensive. You're going to be open to having a conversation about that. And mm. so um, I think that's a starting place. Depending on where the conversation goes, mm. then you'll know what further questions to ask, if any. Mm. Um, I think be open. Don't think everything is a red flag immediately mm -hmm. because you may be thinking thing is, something is a red flag when it's really just a cultural difference. Mm. So being open to being aware of that mm. is also something important to be discussed and acknowledging the differences. I so agree with that. And I think it's being open, but also it's about if this is really important to you, then you don't have to compromise. Mm -hmm. So the purpose here is to actually find out if this is truly something that we can change our minds on. And that's by just holding an open, you know, uh, having an open conversation. But it is also it can also tell us whether this is something that we will never compromise on and that's okay as well and if it is yeah. something you don't want to compromise on if the person really does like you and is willing to put in the effort in that way they will 
Yeah. And if they won't, and it's really something that you will not compromise on at all, mm-hmm. then you know where to go. I love that. I love the different perspectives. I really love that. So I hope everybody's taking notes because this is a rich and juicy conversation. But okay, so those are the questions. If I am still in the uh, beginning phases of building a relationship or maybe dating, but what if we're, you know, like in a situation where like I'm married for two or three years and I can see that I'm becoming stressed about money. How do I begin that conversation? I think you need to warm yourself up to it and warm your spouser up to having that conversation as well. And I think it's important to have money dates. So whether it's once a month, once a quarter. What's that? What are money dates? So you're going on dates, ideally, I mean, based on all the advice, quote unquote advice out there, you should be going on weekly, regular dates. Mm -hmm. But then you have a money date to discuss your finances. Oh. So it can be something that you introduce into your marriage or your relationship. So every month you discuss, you know, the status of your bank accounts, um, whatever your future goals are, if you have any debts, and then what changes you need to make, if any. And then you can also have more open discussions about whatever struggles you're going through financially, whether at work or with your business, um, conversations regarding some of the questions that I asked earlier about money mindsets. Mm. You can have these conversations. It's never too late to start. Yeah. And is it nice to actually go on a date uh, instead of actually waiting for a problem to happen or waiting for the stress to just, you know, all the stress to bubble up to the surface? setting that date will create a relief for the person Mm -hmm. because then they know that they can actually address this during the date and until then really work consciously on how they want to come across on what their intentions are and i love i just love this idea of the money date i love it it's important finances are important we need money to survive so we should be having these conversations Okay, so Lydia, I want to ask you, so we spoke in the context of relationships where it is safe to address the you know, money issues, but what if, what if I don't feel safe to address anything related to finances with my significant other? What do I do? Okay, so if you're finding yourself in a situation where you're being financially abused, you need to prepare. And I can't say that, I can't stress that enough because it may be easy for you to get out, but it may not be. So you really do need to prepare. Um, I found a statistic that says a third of people who actually experience economic or financial abuse don't tell anyone about it. Mm. And so the first thing I would say is you need to speak to someone, a friend, someone you can trust, and preferably someone who isn't a mutual friend of both of you. Someone who can be there for you because it's, it may not be an easy process for you. Okay, so the practical steps. What can you do? One, start saving your own money. Save your money somewhere that he has no access to or she. Even if it's a small amount, start building up your savings to prepare you for the time you're going to leave. It may not be today. It may not be in a month from now. It may take you a while to get to that point but start preparing. So also look into your own personal finances and keep those in a safe place. Okay, and this also includes any important documents, 
such as birth certificates and social security. Keep them in a safe place where your partner doesn't have access to. Okay, this is all part of the preparation process. Now, in addition to that, keep record and a copy of the files related to your partner's accounts as well and anything you have jointly and any assets, house, car, business, um, investments, keep those records as well because if you go through a divorce, you need that information handy in case they try to hide it, okay? And then at the time that you actually leave, make sure if you have a joint account, take what's yours because your partner, if they realize that you're leaving, they may wipe all the accounts clean and then you won't have anything. Contact a domestic violence advocate or support group and a lawyer. They can help you with the process because they've seen it. They've seen it time and time again. They know the ins and outs of how to help you in this process. Now, with regards to your partner, I would avoid any direct confrontation because if this person really is abusing you, the fact that you've left is going to make them angry. You don't want to do that. And so in that vein, I would also say avoid mediation. Okay, because this, again, when we're dealing with abuse, and I'm guessing it must be serious if you're considering leaving, don't try to go through any mediation. Stick with whatever advice you're going to get from the domestic violence advocate and the lawyer. Okay, and then also change all your passwords, change your PIN numbers, change all that information ASAP because you don't want them, your partner going in and having access to important details. Okay, and as I said, speak to a trusted friend. You need support during this difficult time. So if you have someone, at least one person that you can talk to, get advice from, cry with, and preferably, as I mentioned earlier, someone that's not a mutual friend, someone that you don't have to worry that they might go back and speak to your partner. Find organizations in your city where you can get support. There are so many different organizations to support people. I've seen some um, in UAE, there are some in the UK, in the US, in Canada, all over the world, I'm sure you'll be able to find some. At the very least, now that we're online, I'm sure you can find um, support online. And of course, Ayat and I are here as well. Mm. Now to be free completely, you need to remove yourself from their ability to control you financially. So this is where you're starting to work towards financial independence. Mm. And what that means for each person when we're looking at the numbers is different, but that's what I'm here for. That's what I support. Can you please with. repeat that statement again? Because it's just so good. And I think it deserves, um, to be uh, highlighted again. Okay. So what did you just say about, yeah. What to did be you free, you need to remove yourself from their ability to control you financially. And so that's you working on becoming financially independent. You may not be there today. You may have very little money as you're going through this process. Even in the beginning when I said you need to start saving money, you may not even have access to money. So it may mean looking for ways to get an income, you know, so. Again, that's where I can help you and support you on that journey because mm. I know it's not going to be easy. And Aya and I are here yeah. if you find yourself in that situation or you know someone who's in that situation and they need that support. We're here for you. Yeah, and this is just such amazing, amazing and really, really great um, information. And if anyone is in an emotionally, financially, physically abusive relationship, 
this is a great place to begin. And I have spoken about the support and finding one person that you can actually share with who is from your side and like not related to your partner or in any way, shape or form, because it's so important. I spoke about this in the episode about uh, the signs that you signs you are in a toxic relationship. And I've I've had so much feedback on that episode and so many people, unfortunately, so many have related. And again, this is the need to share. There is a lot of shame when it comes to any abusive relationship. And that's what the abuser is able to leverage to their advantage in that situation. So don't let shame hold you back from sharing the truth and sharing your truth. Because shame can only be healed when it comes to the light. So please, and you're in the, if you're in this situation, reach out, find support, ask people who you can talk to, who you can work with. And as Lydia said, we are here to support you. And I support clients going through this as well. And the goal is never about leaving the relationship. The goal is getting to a healthy place yeah. so that they can decide for themselves whether or not to leave the relationship with a clear mind and a clear exactly eyes. because abuse can be very confusing and oftentimes we internalize everything our abuser says to us so we internalize it to the point that we actually think they are right and it's true and there is something wrong with us and that we're not enough and maybe we need to fix ourselves but you do not need to fix anything about you. You are whole and complete as you are on your own without anything. You are enough. You want to work on yourself from a place of I want to be better. I want to become a better version of myself. I want to improve myself. I want somebody who can shine the light on my blind spots and show me and reflect back to me what I need to work on. But it is not coming from a place of brokenness. It is coming from a place of wholesomeness and just really working to improve. So I, you know, Lydia, this is like such a great, great, great conversation. I know this has been a lot of information and I hope you are taking notes and know that you can just listen to this over and over again. Uh, it will be available and a resource for you that you can share with loved ones that you're worried about, share with friends. You never know who's going through abuse and hiding it. So Lydia, if you could summarize to us the most important things that we need to focus on in this situation, beginning from how can I tell that I'm being financially abused to how can I protect myself against it? Okay, so just as a reminder, financial abuse is all about control, it's about manipulation, and it normally happens alongside other types of abuse. Okay, it can be very subtle or overt. So it's the subtleties that I think you need to pay more attention to because obviously if it's overt, it's more obvious. All right. So it's about controlling a victim's ability to acquire, use, and maintain financial resources. 
And this can happen in a number of ways, right? So you may feel uncomfortable, tense, anxious, scared, having conversations about money with your partner. Your partner may be showing you that in small ways that you're dumb at making financial decisions. They may withhold information from you. They may restrict access um, to certain resources. Um, they may steal money from you. They may file claims illegally, forging your name. They may interfere with your ability to earn an income. You may feel like you're totally financially dependent on them and like you're stuck. And if you feel that way, you're probably under that par the partner's control and they're doing it intentionally, all right? So what do you do if you're in that situation? It's all about preparation, mm -hmm. okay? Work with someone who can help you in that process, people that you can trust. Um, support groups are available. They can lay out different steps for you as to what you need, but it's all about making sure you have the information and you have the financial resources to start preparing yourself for the time you may decide to leave. Well, thank you, Lydia. This was more than helpful. And even to me, whom I work with people and support clients on, on you know, in abusive uh, relationships or have been through abusive uh, relationships, it is just so eye-opening to me. So I really, really appreciate you being here. But I want to ask you to send a message a positive message if you could empower someone listening today and think thinking that there is no hope for them they are in an emotionally financially abusive situation and they just lost all hope so what would you say to that person well first i need to remind you and please do remind yourself every day, it's not your fault that you found yourself in this situation. Don't blame yourself. Don't feel guilty for, some, for how someone else decided to treat you. That's on them. It's not on you at all. And I have to say, freedom is possible. And you'll probably feel scared when you leave, but it's better to feel scared on the way to freedom than to be scared while stuck in your present situation. Freedom is possible and you deserve to be free and to be happy. Oh, I love that. I really love that. So one final question. How can people have access to you, Lydia? Because I'm sure that after listening to this podcast, so many people or will want to work with you. So do you work exclusively with women or do you work with you know, men and women? And where can they find you on social media? How can they have more of Lydia? Well, um, I, with Love Yourself Financially, that program is for women. But of course, I have a day job as a financial advisor and through that I work with women and men. Okay, so women or men, are, I'm happy to work with any of you whether it's simply for investment advice or you're in a difficult situation and um, you want to work on becoming financially independent so you can leave, you can reach me on social media. I'm on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, even TikTok as Lydia Lids. So that's Lydia, L-Y-D-I-A, L-Y-D, 
Z Z Z. So you can reach me there and then please send me a DM. Let me know that you heard the podcast and you'd love to follow up. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Lydia. Thank you so much for having me, Hayat. Thank you for listening to the Ideal Relationship Roadmap podcast. I absolutely loved making this episode for you. And I would so appreciate it if you could subscribe, share this episode, and leave a rating or a review. I hope you enjoyed listening. Until next time, sending you so much love and healing energy.